Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? It's good to see some faith. Familiar faces and everybody, Kimberly, it's wonderful. Good to see y'all in the, in the house all together. Um, just want to uh, say, if you're just joining us, we started a series several weeks ago called Are We Ready? And we started in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse. It is one of the largest sermons Jesus gave about the end times, about what is coming. And uh, the theme of that whole thing uh, of Jesus to the church is get ready. Be ready, be aware, be sober, be, be alert. And uh, hence our title is, Are We Ready? Are we heeding our Lord's words, especially in light of uh, His commandments, as well as where we are at today? And uh, this drilling in in this series about this idea of, are we ready? What does that look like? And we move from 24, because that lays a foundation, into the book of Revelation. And uh, that's where we're going to dive in this morning. And uh, we're just going to look at a few of the first verses in the book of Revelation. If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to bring your Bible, open up to the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible. And um, we're going to start in chapter one uh, this morning. And uh, I I have several things I'm going to pray because I got several things I I hope we can get to this morning, just as kind of introductory to get our minds set, framed before we get into this incredible book. Um, this morning of the revelation of Jesus Christ to his church, right? To heed and to, as we're going to see, there's a blessing, right? For those who speak it out loud, who hear it, and then who keep it. And uh, boy, that's what we need, right, today, uh, especially in this time. But before I do that, let me um, just pray for us. Uh, I don't know about you, but boy, this last week, for some reason, I just... um, I just got caught grumbling a lot. I just found myself just internally grumbling. And there's a few times where God just kind of woke me up and took me back you know, to remember the, the exhortation to the Israelites, right? Who all they did was grumble, right, in the desert. And, and I, I don't know what, what caused that, but I, I have a feeling that there's others who can relate to this, that I just got caught up in just kind of, rather than gratitude, rather than that. And folks, the power of that is colossal. If I go, if we go that way of kind of grumbling and, and wondering and questioning God and these kind of things, we stay in that place. Faith, it's a quick movement, right, to change our entire countenance. And um, so I just want to pray for that. The other thing I want to pray for as we get into this is... Um, Last, this last couple weeks, actually, we've had just uh, last Sunday alone, pray for four kidney issues. Um, just some wild, different things going on health-wise. And um, the Lord calls us to pray for healing. He calls us to pray for his protection. And I want to just do that. And as we're praying, just in your own prayers as you're listening, if you uh, are are that person or if you know people who are struggling, just lift them up to the Lord this morning um, before him that his hand will come upon them. So, Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we ask you, I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for my grumbling, Lord. It's getting my eyes and my thoughts off of you, your glory, what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do, Lord. 
And Father, just help us be a grateful people, a people of praise, a people of even in tough circumstances who rest in you, who rejoice in you, God, that you have the best for us and you love us. Father, I just lift up those who are struggling right now with just some unexplainable health issues. Father, stretch out your healing hand. We ask you to heal, Lord, for people to quickly be restored, Father. And Lord, I ask, according to your word, Lord, for divine health, protection, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Father, now I just pray that your word Father, would come, as the prophet Jeremiah says, like with fire and the power to break stones, to break every barrier, Lord, to come deep inside our soul, to change us, Lord. We'd hear you in your word, Lord. We need revelation, Lord. And Father, as Paul prayed, I pray the same prayer for all of us, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Lord, you want to know us. And the amazing thing is that you want to be known. Come now. Lord, let us fellowship with your word. Change us, grip us, rock us, Lord, out of complacency. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> We are in an interesting time. I don't need to, uh, I think, go down all the stats on that or anything. But just to say this, is when it comes to commitments, priorities, and um, our purpose, we need a kind of reset button. All these things are up in the air when a time of flux right now, when it comes to so many things in our lives, our commitments, our priorities, our purpose. Uh, at all different levels, and, and this is a challenge for the church when it comes to really, it's kind of a, a weed out that's going right now, and um, if you're in tune with everything that's going on, um, that's what's happening. There's a challenge for the very worldview of those who follow Christ going on right now in our culture, and, and uh, that challenge is a challenge to us to, to what are we, how are we seeing the world, and are, are we biblically minded in that, or are we more the world is influencing us in those things? And we get into the book of Revelation, and I just want to kind of set the scene a little bit, is uh, th this is the revelation that God gave Jesus to give to his angel, to give to John the Apostle, to give to his church. And we're going to get into the angel stuff and everything in the next weeks and the importance of the spiritual realm connected to the earth. And remember, Jesus' grand purpose, book of Ephesians and over again, is in God's heart from the beginning is to unite everything in heaven and earth together, a new heavens and new earth. He wants to dwell with us. What he did in Eden is exactly what he wants to do for all eternity, except it's going to be better than Eden. There won't be a tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, right? It'll be taken care of. Jesus took care of that tree on the cross, Right for us, there won't be the possibility of sin and of uh, of an eternity. There'll be, as we're going to see this morning, a place of righteousness where God will dwell and He will reign, right for us. And uh, so we we need to think about our worldview. And, and Revelation rocks us, especially remember looking what Jesus said in Matthew twenty four, leading into the book of Revelation, Jesus' own revelation of who He is. 
And I, I want to just give you a little outline that will help you understand the purpose, a little bit of something to hold on to in this kind of difficult book, but also just in our own spiritual life, in our own thinking about our priorities, how we view the world. And folks, everybody has a worldview. The question is, who is forming your worldview? And uh, every worldview, it cannot not lead to God. Even an atheist, right? Their worldview, right? They have to deal with God. To have a worldview, you're constantly having to deal with the God issue, eternity issue, death issue, sin issue. The question is, how are you viewing that in the world and everything going on? What is informing that view? And obviously, for, for God's people, it should be the word of God. And it should be the revelation of God. And so we need revelation. We need the book of Revelation but we need God's revelation. We need it, the supernatural, as we prayed about what uh, Paul prayed for and realizes that you can read it, you can study it, you can get into all that prophecy stuff, you can have all kinds of biblical knowledge, you can go to church every Sunday and live without personal revelation of Jesus Christ. To have an intimate communication to receive, to know you're hearing him, you're walking with him, he's got you in his hands and no one can snatch you out of your hands. And death is not a foe any longer because as you enter, you know he's got you by the hand for all eternity. There's a radical difference. And what I'm throwing out this morning is, is, is just to wake us up to see how much we need revelation. The book, the word of God, and the move of the Spirit of God to give us insight into its truth, right, into our lives and into our situation um, itself. So, with that said, Roman, uh, Revelation chapter 1, just a little background. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time getting into the details. Um, we'll, we'll touch on some of these, but just uh, for those of you who haven't studied or read this book... Um, just a couple backgrounds. This is written most likely by the Apostle John, the one who gave us the Gospel of John, the beloved disciple, one of the 12. Most likely he was exiled um, to the island of Patmos, which is just off the coast of Turkey. Um, it was at the time, this is roughly 92, let's say, AD. Um, it was Roman island where they had, had stone quarries and they sent people in exile. Um, but we know, as we're going to read, that he was there. He doesn't mention he was there because of exile or persecution. He was there for, because he always took things back to, he was there for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He knew his purpose, right, and why he was there. Now, what was going on is we step back a little bit. You've heard of Nero. That was about 67 or so AD, and Nero put the church through a horrific persecution, right? He, uh, he burned the Christians in Rome. It was horrific, but it didn't, it wasn't worldwide. It wasn't across the whole kingdom. It was kind of localized. And things kind of just went on through the kingdom for a few decades, but this guy Domitian came around in the 90s, and, and he was the first one to, to elevate the idea of worshiping the emperor as God. And so he set up, today you can go to Ephesus and still there's remains of Domitian's temple there. And he required everyone to go into the temple, take a little incense and say that um, Dominus et Deus, I think, that, uh, that he, the, the emperor, is God, Lord and God. Obviously, for a Christian, this posed a radical problem, didn't it? 
And so we're going to get to, I'm going to give you some tough questions this morning to wrestle with and, uh, and to hopefully dive into the word of God on. So what's going to go through your mind is like, wait a minute, if I have to go in and do that, am I going to do that? And or I'll do it, will I kind of, uh, you know, get by and say, well, it's just better. I'll just do it, but I don't really believe it because I don't want to cause a problem. And uh, folks, I want you to think about that. Because people, when they, were fo- when they were forced to have to make a decision on, on vocalizing who their Lord is, who they're giving allegiance to, many faltered. And we know um, the consequences of that, right? Um, the question is, are we ready? If you were told that today, if you were put back into that, would you be able to be willing to take whatever the consequences are Rather than just go through this little act, little, just a little incense. Oh, come on, it's no big deal. It's just a little incense, and all you have to do is just say the emperor's God. Now, what's the big deal? Because you don't really believe it. Would you do it? So I just want that to sink in as we, as because we, I'm going to lead us to some questions to really wrestle with that are going to be important when we talk about being ready. And we talk about the, getting ready for the revelation of, of Jesus to, to understand this. Now, here's the outline. First thing we see in the book of Revelation is the first thing that comes to us is a fresh vision of who Jesus is. It's the, it's the place we should go to. This is who Jesus is now. This is in his exalted, resurrected body at the right hand of God, reigning and ruling, waiting to return to this earth to bring righteousness in the kingdom of God. That is the glorious position that we see Jesus as when he rose. And so we, we need to wrestle with this one's like, wow, what is forming our view of Jesus? Do we need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is truly? Or is podcasts and a lot of different things, you know, or, 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 or what, what's forming how we see Jesus and, and who he really is, right? And so that's how this book it begins. And folks, I would just give you this. Everything hinges on that. Everything hinges on a right, glorious vision, revelation of who Jesus is. Everything, eternal life. I would admit, I would, I would say every problem in my life, in the world, and everything else is a result of a lack of vision of who Jesus actually is. He's the solution to everything. He's the King of Kings, He's the Lord of Lords. And that's where it begins. If we get that wrong, every bit of our theology, everything else falls apart. The next thing in the book of Revelation is we go into the church. And I can't have a healthy view of church, of what it is, the bride of Christ, readying herself for the return of the king. A healthy understanding of what church should be, unless I first and continually, while we come to worship is so we can together set our eyes again afresh anew on who Jesus is, what he's done for us as our savior, his grace, his mercy, and his promises for the future. Is I, I, I'm not going to have a healthy view of that. And then the next thing in the book of Revelation goes into the larger section of some of the tougher material of understanding the kingdom of this world is at war with the kingdom of God. And it's working out history. It's working out the nations and the power of man and the world and Satan and the, the demonic realm against the kingdom of God. That's, that's, and, and, and I will get all messed up 
in that unless I first have a foundation of understanding who Jesus is rightfully and then understanding truly the purpose of his church, his body, the body of Christ, the family of God, its purpose in the world now, preparing the way, being a model of the kingdom of God, a little, a little picture of heaven on earth, right? That's the Lord's prayer. Lord, may your will be done on heaven, in, on earth as it is in heaven. The church is to be that little piece of that. And then finally, the, the last piece of Revelation, it ends with this glorious vision of the new heavens and the new earth. This is what God is preparing for us. This is where our eyes should be set upon of, of he's gonna renew this earth. He's gonna renew heaven and they're coming together and Jesus is the one who is bringing it together. Now, I, I just throw it out to you as, as if you're a follower of Jesus, is that your worldview? Is, is the word of God forming your hope, your understanding of what's happening among the nations right now and throughout history? Well, where's your worldview? Another, just a, a little profound thing here, folks, in this, and we need to get this right. The revelation of the Son of God, and we're gonna get there in the next part of the chapter one, but he, his presence and his lamp stands around him. He's in the presence and he's speaking directly to his church. He's not speaking to the nations. He'll do that later in the midst of, of the clash. Jesus' eyes, what he's waiting for, as we're gonna read later, is he's waiting for his church to be holy, to be a bride ready for his return, to, to truly be a righteous place, right, that is, is worthy of his presence. And the, the seven letters that we're getting ready to read, seven being the number of perfection, number of completion, these are letters, these issues we're gonna look at are universal issues the church needs to heed, hear, and respond to, to be ready, right? And... Um, so hold on to those four things. We'll keep coming back to them. But they go in that order of understanding these things. So with that said, let me dive in here and read for us verses one through eight this morning in the book of Revelation. The word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and the one and who keeps what is written in it, for the time is near. And folks, there's seven, again, shouldn't be shocking to you, throughout the book of Revelation, seven beatitudes, seven blessings that all work together. The, the church that we are to lay hold of Right, a blessing, the Beatitudes, go back to what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Right, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed, in other words, are those who know they need a savior, right? Who, who know they need God in their soul, right? Um, and that blessed comes with salvation and blessing and all the abundant promises, right, that God has and folks, this is what we're doing. And, and there's something profound here. It, it says the blessing comes when the words are read out loud. 
And this is how it was in the early church. These were circuit letters that went and they were read out loud. And there's something profound about the word of God going out, does not return void as it's spoken. So even this morning, right, we're trusting in that blessing, right? As the word goes out, as we hear it, the question is, how do we keep it? What does it look like to keep his word? John to the seven churches that are in Asia. John um, was a pastor, obviously, and uh, we know from church history that he finished up his, before he was martyred, um, the church in Ephesus itself, so he was familiar with these seven churches. Paul planted most of these, these churches, um, and we're going to dive in deeply into these letters that represent letters to the completeness of God's church. Every one of these has issues that we need to look at. Every one of them has blessings we need to hold on to. It is a message for the church to get ready. Grace to you and peace. Don't miss those words, folks. From him who is, who was, who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on the earth. There is so much theology packed into those little words, right? So, it's Trinitarian, right? Our God is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this just, the revelation begins by always reiterating the glory of who our God is. You can't make sense of community, society, our longing for intimacy, our longing for healthy community, or even love. It only makes sense out of a triune God that lives in love, three persons, one God, that is the only God that understands and can birth something of love and understanding of society, family, all of these things make no sense with a monad, a single entity that knows nothing about love or community. Everything at the deepest levels of our heart flow from a relational God, Father, Son, right, and Holy Spirit. And we'll come to later talk about the seven spirits who are before the throne. If you want to dive in, you can go to Zechariah. Uh, the prophet Zechariah in the uh, Old Testament, but that's the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's full operating move, right, in, in the world. But don't miss this world. Grace to you, peace to you is from our God. And those are some powerful words. The only way we're gonna experience grace, the only one who's explained grace, brought grace to the world is Jesus. Where else are you gonna find grace? Who else has done something like him to bring grace to the world? And what about peace, shalom into the world? Right, we already know that by, if we just look at history, peace is impossible with man. It always will be. Doesn't mean we don't work for it, but only God, only Jesus can bring shalom. And, uh, and that is who he is. He's a God of grace. He's a God of peace. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, Man, let's camp out there for a minute. Let it sink in to him who loves us. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? How much God loves you? Your heavenly father loves you? That, that should over, this is what we should live in, in the midst of everything. And I pray if you're struggling with that reality of understanding, because see, it's, it's one thing, it's kind of, you know, we, maybe some of us experienced, oh, I know my dad loves me, but he, he you know, he never really says it. Is that a real experience, love? See, our, our Heavenly Father has done so much to love us, 
We need to experience, it's not like it's some just theological, yeah, the Bible says, I know, yeah, God loves me, I've heard that before. This is revelation. Have you experienced the love of God through Jesus? How much his lavish love, how much he loves you, only you in all the universe, no one else like your DNA, no one like you, you are unique in all of time, and God loves you. He had you on his heart before he created you, breathed you in, in his own image, he created you. Wow, you know how much he loves you? And he's freed us from our sins by his blood. The scriptures are clear from the beginning to end. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That would be a longer conversation to break that down. But Jesus shed his blood to love you, to love me, and to be the one that does away with this issue, this problem of sin that is the problem of the world. Um... Love what G.K. Chesterton said. Asked him, what's the problem in the world? He, he won an essay on this, right? One little word, I am. That's theologically accurate. It's the sin in me. It's the sin in all of us that's the problem in the world. And there's only one who's come lovingly to bring grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And it's Jesus. It's his glory. He should be lifted high. There should be in his church this, this overwhelming devotion overwhelming devotion of who Jesus is. Where is that today? We need a, a revelation. We need a restoration to that. Oh, he loves us. He's freed us from our sin by his blood. He's made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory, dominion forever. Amen. This is to fulfill what goes all the way back to Exodus 19, right? Which was God's desire is to create when he, he wants you to be a priest. What does that mean? He doesn't, want any, he doesn't want you to have to go through Moses or a priest or a legal system. Your father loves you so much. He desires, right, to have a way. How, how can you have a way, an open door to the very presence of a perfect, holy, righteous God and as a child of God be able to run up into his lap, into his very presence? How is that possible? It's what just the work of Jesus tore the veil. Hebrews says, boldly now go before the throne of God's grace. Even in the midst of your sin, there's only one place you'll find cleansing and forgiveness. It's in Jesus. There's only one way you'll shed shame and shed guilt. It's in Jesus. Nothing else in the world will do it. It's just an intellectual exercise. It's not a powerful, supernatural, God-inspired thing. Right into his lap. I mean, he's, he's provided the way. Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, John says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, as he ends the book. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. That has been the, the cry, the heartbeat of the church from day one. It is lost today in America. It needs restoration. We need revelation. Where's that passage? Come, Lord Jesus. Bring about your purposes in this world. Show yourself as the reigning king over the nations. Bring righteousness to the nations. Bring justice to this world, right? God ends this, book ends it. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty, the Almighty. Um, so I, I just want us just to break this down briefly. Are we seeing Jesus for who he is? 
And I just want you to wrestle with that question. Are you seeing him for who he is or have you bought an intellectual Right Today with our academic, our deconstruction, everything's being deconstructed. Everybody, is, it's, it's just, it's, it's open game. All oh, let's criticize the church. If you're criticizing church, next time you criticize the church, I warn you and I ask you to think about you're criticizing the body of Christ. You're criticizing the very thing that Jesus is coming back for, the very thing that God is focused on in the world from day one till the end, his family. And he calls us, saves us into that, not to have some individual little spiritual experiment out here, right? And are we seeing Jesus for Jesus? Because I can't get to a healthy view of his church. It's his church. That has to be restored too. It's not this denominations. It's not this pastors. It's Jesus' church. And when that's restored in the church, man, a lot of healthy things are gonna right, happen in, in the midst of all that. And so, boy, are we seeing him for who he is? His glory at the right hand of the God resurrected and it, it, we're getting ready the next part of chapter next week we'll dive into this vision of who he is right in his glory and we worship him because of that and he's a returning king he will bring he's the lord of lords king of kings lord of lords he will reign in righteousness right so the next one as i said is are we seeing the church for what it truly is and um folks it, it's an interesting time isn't it just uh, with what's going on with all this, um, and, and as I said, it's a, it's a turmoil time of really reevaluating our commitments, our priorities, our purpose. And I, I speak to those who, who claim to be followers of Jesus, primarily this morning. If you're here, you're a skeptic, you're wondering, you're not sure, you know, um, thank you for being here. We, we love to journey with you. We love to have honest dialogue and, and uh, there's never bad questions and, and we love questioning. We love the engaging on those things, right? Um, to pursue truth. And we're excited about who Jesus is. And it's time we start talking about him and lifting his name up, right? Rather than so many other things and in our discussions, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus because he's the answer. He's the answer, but I have to have revelation in my own life that that's the case, right? And when it comes to church, there's been no time, probably, I don't know, at least in our lifetime, but maybe in American history where there has been more deconstruction done in the church. Some of this is good. Some of this is good. But the problem is there's a fallout on this in the sense of, of its church is, is seen as somehow optional. And I say to every young person watching, anybody here is... You can't follow Jesus if you don't embrace his church. There's not an exception to this anywhere in the scripture. It is his body. As we're going to read in Revelation, he's writing to the church, the gathered church, not to individual believers. As a matter of fact, every New Testament book in the Bible is addressed to the body, not an individual. Though, obviously, we study, we take those promises individually, but it's in the context of community, right? And to understand what, what church is and um, boy, we need revelation, don't we? Man. And yes, the church today, we're under attack and we need to make some adjustments. Question is, are we ready? And are we honoring God and what it is to be his church? And do we have a clear understanding of what that is all about? I have to have those two, right, before I come to this one. Are we seeing the difference between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of our Lord? Folks, this last couple years, we, the church in, in America has really messed that sucker up. 
We've got our priorities way out of balance. We've got a lot of our priorities set on the kingdoms of this world focused rather than on the kingdom of God. Now, we've got to be involved prayerfully, lovingly, but we have to understand as a follower of Jesus, is my hope is in his coming kingdom. He is, we read, he is the reigning king, right? This is verse, um, uh, verse five. He's the reigning king of the kings of the earth. Jesus is the leader. He is now at the right hand of the Father. He's going to come and bring justice. Every knee, every nation, right? The new heavens and the earth, every nation will bow before the king and, and the nations will be restored back to um, the one who created them. And we'll get into the details of those as we get into Revelation a little bit more. But this is a big deal, right? It is in our politics, in our debate, in our, in our uh, social justice, do we, uh, do we have a proper biblical understanding of, of we are people of the kingdom of God? Remember what Paul says is that our citizenship primarily is, in, is what? Is in heaven. It's worth where our Lord is. But he's coming and he's bringing his kingdom here. Our, our citizenship here in America is a blessing. We need to honor that. We need to be good, best citizens we can, lovingly involved for righteousness. But that is not our priority. That is not Right, what, what uh, leads that and guides our, our, our morals and our, our, our worldview primarily, right? And the final one is are we seeing our vision for the future of God's? Now, well, what's, and, 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 and boy, there's so much room here, isn't there, for discussion? How do you think about the future? How are you preparing for the future? What is your ideal future? And what's forming that? How are you preparing for that? What does that perfect future look like, right, for you? Is it, is it informed by the Bible? Is it, is it informed by the revelation of what Jesus has, what's, what's gonna happen? Um, or is it just kind of very narcissistic? Is it very American, ultimately, right? Or is it more? And uh, all these things, the book of Revelation fleshes this stuff out, Right? So I want to do something now. I want to give you a little, I'm going to give you four questions. And these questions alone are going to bother you. I'm just going to tell you up front. They're going to bother you, all right? I'm not going to give you the passages. I'm going to give you these four questions as an exercise, a little homework, right? And uh, we'll do this through the book of Revelation because these questions is, if the word of God, Jesus says <laughs> that he is trusting the one, the teachers, the pastors, and that includes all of us at some level, right, to give food to his people at the proper time, right, is what? To get them ready, to get us holy, to get us mature in the Lord, that we wouldn't miss out on the blessings of God. And so these questions are questions that are deeply involved in the book of Revelation. But you're, as I read them, you're gonna see how deeply connected they are to our current events, okay? I'm not, I don't have verses tied to these questions. They're just questions I want you to, to write down or take a picture, whatever it is. And um, I promise you, these will be lively lunch discussions, cocktail party discussions, just discussions among each other, diving deep. But the question for these, the, what I want you to think about is, and, and when, you, when I first put it up there, you're, in, you're gonna have an immediate response, okay? Where we need to take that is to the Bible. 
Is your response biblical and is it revelation from God or is it the media or is it your intellect or is it other things? We must be biblical. We must do the work of tying our answers, our understanding of things to the scriptures, okay? So here we go. Come back to that one. When is it justified to coerce or force a person to do something against their conscience? When is it justified to coerce or force people to do something against their conscience? Now, folks, this is deep water. And I know many of you are thinking specific issues. You're thinking specific conversation. I could apply no less than 10 social issues right now to this, this question. Okay? How are God's people to respond? To get ready in a biblical way, a thoughtful way, a way that engages other people's worldview rather than cancel them, is to engage them and have healthy dialogue, but to be firmly by faith rooted in what the scriptures say, okay? Second one, when is it justified for Christians to disobey the government? Mm. whoa. By the way, these are building steam, right? The early church, all in the Bible, they had to have a clear answer to this, as we talked about earlier. They had to have a clear answer. And this can really mess you up. Romans 13 says God has set up the governments and we are to pay taxes, we're to honor those governments. He set it up with the sword to keep just, to keep the law and to uh, um, uh, def defend people, right? So, in the book of Acts and other places, how do we answer that question? To be ready for what we see in the book of Revelation, what Jesus says, I better be clear biblically on this issue or you know what? I'm gonna make a real mess. I better be right. Before I step out, I better know that I'm stepping out with Jesus and I'm not stepping out in my flesh or what somebody else said or what a pastor even says, but what the word of God says with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? All right, we're vamping it up. Why is the temptation to not gather together as the church escalated as the end draws near? Mm. It's Hebrews 10. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. It's what we see Jesus' letter to the church. All the seven churches, where are you, church? Where are you? Where's your priorities? Where's your commitments? Where's your understanding what church is? So the whole context of the Bible is as the end gets near, there will be more pressure on the church to not gather. Um, we got to think about it. It's a huge question. It has massive ramifications for understanding the book of Revelation, right? Final one. Ooh. Why will many be persuaded to take the mark of the beast on their body so they can buy and sell in the end times? Now, you might be sitting here going, what in the world are you talking about? That's chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. It's consistent language through the New Testament. Jesus talked about it, right? There will be a world leader. The government will go to a certain place. It's happened in many scenarios, as I mentioned to you. It happened under Domitian. It's happened under the Roman government at certain times where they demanded worship. There's places today, right? North Korea. You go into the airport in North Korea. You are, if you are North Korean, you must bow and kiss the statue of the leader. 
This is, this is not any, this stuff has been around from the beginning of time, but it will escalate, the book of Revelation says. And so why will many, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, many, he's speaking about the church, many will fall away. Many will fall, many will be led astray. Are we ready? Do we have biblically minded, spirit-filled understanding, confidence about these kinds of things? Or do we just kind of fall in line? If we are not looking to the Bible for revelation, Jesus for revelation, we'll be led astray every time. Because the power of the world is that strong, right? And that's the clash that we see in the middle of Revelation, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And that really equates to God's way or man's way, right? And that's built in all of us. I want to do it my way. God, no. No, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. We know better, God. And that's going to come to a clash, right? The nations of the world have been built upon a premise ultimately. Yes, there's some good intention there, but ultimately when it all winds down, it's power, it's money, it's flesh, it's all those things. That's why we see today billions of dollars being given in aid to multiple countries. Are they any better? No. They're an absolute wreck. They're on fire. It's because it's the same power as the board. There's only one solution. Right? The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. So Derek, y'all come on up. Um, I want to end by reading a passage out of 2 Peter. If you want, if you have your Bible, you want to turn there. Um, just to end our time here. And I want to go back and end on this question. And so folks, uh, please engage us on these questions. We're going to have more big questions like this. The question is not even what I kind of even think. The question is, what does the Bible say? Am I, as a follower of Jesus, is the Bible informing my thought right on these, on these questions? Second Peter, and uh, let me go back to this question. Um, uh-oh, I just got ahead. What happened? I'll go, uh, I'll go back. I'm going back. I mean, I'm not going back. Here we go. I got it now. All right, here we go. What makes a person desire to be holy? This is 2 Peter, chapter 3, starting in verse 7, verse 8. But do not overlook this. This is Peter to the church. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as it was one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's the heart of God. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up, dissolved. That's the universe and stars, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt and be burned. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens, new earth 
in which righteousness will dwell. Wow. There's a lot there. Man, is that where our hope is fixed? We need revelation, don't we? So I'm going to pray for us. And just as we always do, before we come to communion, um, man, I, what I'd like to see is, is, you know, the church, when it gathers, we, we're supposed to come and bring encouragement to one another. And just in the few minutes left, it'd be great to hear two people, just whoever's first to the mic, just to encourage us, give us encouragement, give us a testimony of the glory of Jesus in your life. What our Savior has done for you. You know, it says we're to, this is what John says, we're to testify publicly, personally, whenever you opportunity, to testify to his goodness, to testify to what he's done for us. And we're to encourage each other with that. And so I just, to this morning, just before we come to the table, man, just come short, but just tell us what Jesus has done. Give testimony to the goodness of your Savior this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. A lot here, a lot thrown out. Father, I pray that your word would burn inside our hearts. Lord, just as we saw in Luke 24, burn in our hearts, Lord. Your living word, God. Let's be ready. Let's be sober. Lord, let us have our affections awakened, Lord, to your vast love for us and our love for you. Lord, in this time of flux, Lord, may we reestablish our loyalty, our devotion, our worship of you, God. Make us a holy people, God. That's the need of the hour, is that your people again would gather together and be holy, pleasing unto you, repentant before you, desiring to please you, God, above all else, that the world might see that glory, God. Lord, forgive us for our judgment, Lord, that is hypocritical. Let's be holy as we hasten the day of your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.